0: All right, let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning so grateful that we can gather together and just be your people and your family. Father, we just ask that as we study your word here this morning, Lord, that you would just stir our hearts with understanding, Lord, that you would just anoint this service, that it might bring glory and honor unto you. These things I ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to go back to Philippians this morning. I hope... uh, I hope that you enjoyed last week, and uh, I'm not done with it. If I can get technology working, Philippians chapter one. Philippians chapter one. And we talked last week about the single mind, the spiritual mind, and the secure mind. And this morning. I want to dig a little deeper into the single mind uh, which is has to do with Philippians chapter 1 and I'm very quick I'm going to read completely through Philippians chapter 1 and then I will go to my points and and, and we'll dig a little deeper in that so Philippians chapter 1 Paul and Timothy bond servants of Jesus to all the Saints in Christ Jesus her in Philippi with the bishops and deacons grace to you and peace from our God, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. And as much as both in my change and in the defense of confirmation of the gospel, you are the partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you, all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge and in all discernment. That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happen to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. For the former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether it pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. That your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs and you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of the salvation of, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Having the same conflict which you saw in me and now bear in me, or bear here and here. In. Having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. All right. Now, so we know Paul from what we talked about last week is he he is in a set of circumstances that you and I or I, would find devastating. He's, he's, he's chained to a Roman soldier. He is in prison. He always wanted to go to Rome and, and, and preach. But this is not in any way the, what he had in his mind. But he sees through his circumstances the gospel being further. Okay? And we're going to get into that. But chapter 1 here, remember I told you last week, deals with circumstances. us us getting through our circumstances and seeing, having a single mind and being focused on God to see his blessings and and reward and get joy out of our circumstances. In spite of his difficult circumstances, he is rejoicing all through this letter. There's There's not a sad tone to this letter, is it? His joy is found in his his, his focus, his single-mindedness, his, his concentration on glorifying God. So our example here is, is that as we go through the circumstances in our life, the first thing that should come to our mind is what does God have in this for me? How does God want to be glorified through these circumstances in, that he's placed in my life, that he's allowed in my life? Okay his focus is to live for Christ and the gospel. Period. Well, that's a far, far cry from our focus, isn't it? We'd like to think that we have that focus. And from time to time, we do have that focus. But do we remain focused like that? Steadfast? And that being our only motive is to, is to live for Christ and Him be glorified. I can tell you, I don't. I get off off in the ditch here and there and start thinking about myself. And my nature surely leads me to want to glorify myself. I don't know about you. But but he he is so grounded and so focused on glorifying and living for Christ that, that, that nothing else matters. It, doesn't, it truly doesn't matter what happens to him as long as he attains that. In Philippians chapter 1, Christ is named 18 times. Now, when you, if all you talked about is Christ, you'd, you'd be pretty focused on him, wouldn't you? The gospel is named six times. So it's not hard to pick out of there what he's focused on. What he's intent on accomplishing. What are we intent on accomplishing? Adding to our bank account? It can be many different things in each one of our lives. But but we as children of God should have this kind of focus. And, And when we can gain this kind of focus, circumstances won't rattle us. It doesn't matter what they are. Circumstances will not rattle us and and shake us up. It's an attitude. It is truly an attitude. that It makes no difference what happens to me just as long as Christ is glorified and the gospel is shared with others. isn't Isn't that what we're called to be? Pretty simple, isn't it? But it's hard to be that if we don't embody that attitude in our life. We, we've got to we've got to make that, mold that into our into our being, and have the attitude in everything that we see and do. And I'm going to tell you, it for me, it takes reminding myself every day. Okay, listen. When something comes up. this Hold on. Where is Christ in this? I first have to find Him. I first have to reflect on His principles that He's taught us through the Bible and His Word. And how do they apply to this set of circumstances that I'm in? Sometimes it just might be that, hey, God's in control. I just need to to be patient. I just need to sit still. I just need to listen. I don't need to do anything. And sometimes it may be other things. But I have to to remind myself on a daily basis to put Christ first. That He's my focus. That all of this chaos that's going around me in my life is just chaos. It's, it's It's just ways to deter me off of Him. It's just ways to remove my focus off of him. It's things that that the world is throwing at us, that Satan is constantly laying out in front of us. And boy, aren't we takers. We are. It's like throwing a piece of meat, raw meat out in front of a dog. Here we go. We're so easily deterred. But, but it's, it's about remaining focused, single-mindedly focused on Christ and His glory and the furtherance of the gospel. Paul rejoiced in his circumstances because his circumstances strengthened the fellowship of the gospel. In verses 1 through 11 it says this. Well, I've already read it. it but it says, I'm going to do it again. I thank my God upon every. Now, think about this as I say this, it, 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 his circumstances strengthened the fellowship of the gospel. I'm going to start in three. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Now, remember, he's in Rome, they're in Philippi. They're not together, okay? Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all. Because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. You all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that with love, your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and discernment. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The furtherance of the fellowship. Okay? And and he promoted the furtherance of the gospel in 12 through 26. He says this, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So indeed, preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ for selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my change, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice." You see where his mind's at as we go through this? It's, he he could be fixing to die. He's not concerned with that. What's he concerned with? He, he's concerned with the strengthening of the fellowship, building others up, and, and the furtherance of the gospel. He, he's trying to, to make sure that he is a testimony, a living testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, you know, I'm sure they all knew what Paul was before he got saved. That's pretty much a a testimony, isn't it? All right. And guarded the faith of the gospel in in 27 through 30. Okay? 27 says this. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you and am absent, I may hear in your affairs and you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. It doesn't say it like this, but isn't that all, all in one accord again? And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Fellowship. The fellowship of the gospel. The furtherance of the gospel. And guarding. Guarding. Fellowship means to have in common. Doesn't it? We think of fellowship as as what? Getting together and business. But fellowship means to have in common. Do you realize that It is possible to be close to people physically but not have anything spiritually in common with them. You ever been you ever been around it any of that? You're around it all the time, aren't you? But Christian fellowship has to do with with those of us possessing the Holy Spirit within us. The redeemed church of God having in common Jesus. That's how we have fellowship. You come to church to hear a message on Sunday morning. But I don't know if you really realize how much you come to church to fellowship. Just just to be with those that you have the Holy Spirit in common with. Don't you? Are you ever out somewhere and you meet a stranger and 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 you just you just sense Man there's That's that's a good guy. That's a good woman. There's something. There's a very good chance they're a child of God. Not always. But but that's that's that discernment that we're going to see more about here in a little while. But just as important as you coming and getting fed every Sunday morning is that you are able to come and fellowship with the family of God. I'm thankful for Facebook. It's hard to fellowship from Facebook. It's hard to partake in family spiritual fellowship from Facebook. I'm thankful for it. But there's nothing like coming together and being together. Nothing like it. And and not a word has to be said to to gain from it, just the presence. Just the presence. Just being together. Just walking up and shaking somebody's hand. Just, just hugging somebody. There, there, there's, no, there's nothing that compares to it. One of the major sources of Christian joy comes from that fellowship through Jesus Christ. Paul says, he uses three thoughts here in chapter 1 to describe true Christian fellowship. And here they are. I have you in my mind, which is verses 3 through 6. I have you in my heart, and I have you in my prayers. Take note of these because this is exactly how we should be fellowshipping one with another. I have you in my mind. I'm thinking about you. I have you in my heart. I love you. True love. A godly love. And I'm praying for you. That's true fellowship. I have you in my mind. Paul is thinking of others and not of himself. Not one time in in this chapter does he get on a pity trip, does he? Boy, it's hard for me to stay off my pity trips. I don't know about you. Again, his focus is on Christ and not himself. We have got to get our focus off of ourselves. And it's our nature, isn't it? It's our nature to be worried about ourselves and ourself only. We want what we want. We want our way. Well, I'm going to tell you something. As a Christian, you don't get your way very much. We should be focused on God's way. What he wants for us. During his difficult circumstances, he recalled the believers at Philippi that brought him joy. See, he's recollecting here in chapter 1 and remembering those people at Philippi. Again, he's not with them. His circumstances at Philippi weren't good, if you remember. He was beaten. He was illegally arrested. He was placed in stocks. He was humiliated. But but he's not bringing those things up, is he, in this? No, he's not. Even though he went through all of that in Philippi, he's remembering the joy that he got from Philippi. And that was things like the jailer finding Christ. Or the little slave girl who was freed from the demons. He was remembering what God did in the people at Philippi. That brought him joy. Why did that bring him joy? Because his focus was on Christ and his glory and the furtherance of the gospel. His focus wasn't on him, but oh, it's, we stay focused on ourselves. We can't, we can't get out of our own mess to focus on God because we're too worried about whether somebody's mistreating us or not or whether they like us or not. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. God showed me the hard way. When He's redeemed you and He's chose you out, there ain't many people in the world that's gonna like you. And you don't have to do anything or say anything to them. All you have to do is come into their presence. Sometimes you don't even have to come into their presence. And it's amazing to me how, and I, I mean, I've got example. I got two or three recent examples. But I'm not going to get into that this morning. But, but how you can be minding your own business and Satan manufactures things for them to come after you for. He manufactures things to try to get you. But hey, if we had a, if we had a single mind like Paul... We could stay focused on God and His glory, and what really matters. And it wouldn't hurt our feelings, it wouldn't get us upset. And listen, I, I, I'm no better than the rest. You can ask my wife. I, there's times I come in, I come in and stomping around. I don't know why I'm such and such, you know, is doing that. Or, but but that's in those moments when I've lost focus on Christ. I'm told, I'm, I'm not a very good student either because I've been told numerous times in that book it's going to happen. It's going to happen just because I'm His. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's worth it. It's worth it. The church at Philippi was the only church that had entered into fellowship with Paul to support his ministry. In verse 6, we we read this. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What is that good work? That good work that he has started in each and every one of us, if we've been saved. It's salvation. It's salvation. The good work that that God does for us is redemption. The good work that He does in us is sanctification. Sets us apart. Oh, that's good stuff. The good work He does through us is godly service. I'm going to tell you something. I'll... uh, there's nothing like serving other people. And I'm gonna tell you this, you can't have the right other right attitude about serving other people unless you've been saved. I know that because I was there. I'll never forget. Sandy one, she may not even remember saying this to me. Wasn't long, wasn't long, maybe I don't know, several months after I started preaching. One Sunday morning, Sandy came up to me. She says, there really is a a difference in you. It may not have been exactly these words, but this is, I can see it in how you love these people. And she's right. There was a change in me. When when God called me to this position, he he put a different affection for you in me. That's the truth. For 40 years, I sat right there where John sits. And I thought, I mean, I liked y'all, but... (laughs) But I'm going to tell you something. Words can't describe the love that I have for this flock. And it's not a love that I've mustered up. It's only a love that God can put in me. And that same measure of love is put in each and every one of you. You may not realize it, but if you don't realize it, get on the prayer, little prayer chain that y'all do every day and just watch. That's a love that you can't muster up. That's a service that only God can do through you. It's a change that takes place only when we've been set apart and sanctified and redeemed. We can have others in our minds without having them in our hearts. Amen? You can be considerate of people, but not have the affection, the the Christian affection that you have for them when they're your brother or sister in Christ. We do it all the time. You can be kind to somebody in the store but not have a, a love, a Christian love for them. So you can, you can have that in our mind without having it in our hearts. But Christian love is the tie that binds. It's the tie that binds. And I, I don't know if you've recognized or realized, but when circumstances really come into your life, and I'm again, I'm going to go back to the little prayer, little golden girls. When circumstances, because to me it's just a perfect example of these things. When when circumstances come up into in in lives and the people of this church, where do they go first? Some days it's just like boom 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 boom. I'm like, somebody stop them. Other days it's kind of quiet, but. Nobody has to tell you who to call and get on their knees, do they? Because there's a spiritual connection. There's a spiritual connection. That tie that binds, that draws you to one another. That, my friends, that love is the evidence of salvation. Because you can't can't just... Manufacture that kind of love. In fact, if salvation wasn't present, you wouldn't even like those people. I'm just telling you. You wouldn't want anything to do with them. They would get on your nerves. You would you would be one of those that all y'all do is pray for this, pray for that. Don't y'all ever shut up? I'm telling you the truth. But no, what's in common is your heart. What's been done in your heart. The redeeming power of Jesus that that has done a work inside of each and every one of us that that draws us to one another. 1 John 3.14 says this, We know that we have passed from death to life because we what? Love the brethren. It's it's an evidence of saving faith. It is an evidence of God's work inside of you when you love and are drawn to your church family. Good stuff. Good stuff. How did Paul evidence his love for these, these folks at Philippi? He was suffering on their behalf. He was suffering on their behalf. He was chained. He was in a set of circumstances that were dismal. He, but he says, he says in Ephesians 3, 1, he was the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. His focus remained where, on Jesus. Christian love. Oh wait, let me back up. Because of his trial in Christianity was was because of this trial. now remember I told you he wanted he, he had longed to go to Rome and, and and preach the gospel. But he 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 wasn't wanting to go in this fashion. But he still was going to get get to do that. He did get to do that. He still put put the gospel on trial. And he says here, because of his trial, Christianity was going to get a fair hearing before the officials in Rome. In other words, what he intended, what he wanted, what he hoped that God would allow to happen was still going to happen. It just wasn't going to happen in the way he thought it was going to happen. How many times has that happened to us? But what's the first thing that we do because we're not single-minded? The moment it doesn't go our way, we throw our hands up and, well... But instead, remain focused on Christ and let Him work out the details. I can promise you Paul wouldn't have said, I tell you what, Lord, if you're not going to let me march in there like this, just send me to jail. Absolutely not. But but Paul didn't care. He was open and willing in whatever manner that God saw fit. Again, Christian love is not something we work up. It's something that God does in us and through us. It was not Paul's love. Listen, it was not Paul's love channeled through Christ but Christ's love channeled through Paul. Important part. You see, our love is depraved. Our love is tainted with sin. It's stained from the fall. So we have an imperfect love. Christ's love is a perfect love. So it must be Christ's love that is channeled through us in order for it to be true love. Romans 5, 5 says this, God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. Third, He says, I have you in my prayers. Verses 9 through 11 says this, And and this I pray that your love may abound Still more and more in the knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He found joy in praying for fellow believers. Do you find joy in praying for one another do you realize that it's joy maybe a better question because I'm gonna tell you something if you didn't have joy in it you wouldn't do it as much as you're it. those of you who I see on the side there's joy in that do you realize you're getting fed through that you are spiritually getting fed from praying for one another. Your fellowship is being grown when you do that. It's being grown both with the Father and with the group. It's a win-win situation. But, but we should find joy in praying for one another. We shouldn't be like, oh, i got to go find, I, I just don't have time to pray. I just don't have a spare moment. Have you ever been there? I have. See, that's exactly what Satan wants us to be. It's so tied up and so busy and, 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 and just have so many things going on inside of, that we, we don't find time to read God's Word and pray. Because then we ain't fed then we're not growing. Then we're not having fellowship with the Father. Then we're not in fellowship with fellow believers. And, and if that goes on long enough, then what? We start backsliding. And we start making bigger boo-boos and bigger boo-boos. So it's so critical that, that we stay in that. We stay in driving ourselves to be a part of that the deepest christian fellowship and joy we can experience in this life may be approaching the throne of grace for our fellow believers i'm going to tell you something i don't know it gives me great joy in knowing that i i i prayed, and let me tell you i prayed that god's will be done i didn't pray for any specific thing but that carrie and Welland got good reports last week that Mary Jane went to, the, went to the, I'm telling you, that will be a lifelong remember for me. How can you not have joy in that? And each and every one of us have different things. But it's not just words in a book. It's living words. It's breathing words. It's actionable items that, that the Word of God tells us when He says, Get on your knees and pray. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. It's not just words on a page. It's life giving words. But but we have to act. We We have to make ourselves partake in that. Paul prays for maturity. Big one here. He prays for maturity and he begins with love. Christian love is not blind. So that's a weird statement. Christian love is not blind. We have discernment. When, when, when God is and the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, He gives us discernment. That discernment allows us not to be blind. Now, when we don't pay attention to it, and we push it away, and we don't acknowledge it, isn't it funny how as, as you grow in your walk with, with Christ, when, when, when the Holy Spirit starts nudging you or something, you, you, you're, you're quicker to listen. You're quicker to pay attention. Whereas when you were younger or earlier in your walk, you were like, oh, I don't think that was anything. That's just me being whatever. But Christian love is not blind. That discernment. He prays that they might experience abounding love and discerning love. He prays that they might have mature Christian character. Ooh, is my Christian character mature? <laughs> Think about that for a minute. Sincere without offense. The sincere Christian is not afraid to take a stand. The sincere Christian is not scared that when things get, start coming down on them, they're not, they're not afraid to, to stand as a Christian on their principles no matter the cost. Whew. That one's tough, isn't it? And as we go on, that, that one's going to be tougher. But think about that for a minute. Sincere, sincere, mature Christian character. The sincere Christian is not afraid to take a stand. Or be revealed before men are ashamed of what they are in Christ. The kind of character that passes the test. The the, the one that doesn't give in. The one that doesn't run and hide. When the persecution's coming against you but can stand fast on the Word of God and what you are in Christ Jesus no matter the cost. They are filled, that are filled and fruitful. He prayed that they were filled and fruitful. Fruit of the Spirit that is produ- produced by and glorifies God. Not produced by us in any means. But because of the work that God's doing inside of us, godly fruit is produced. You know, just like we were talking about love a while ago, you can't muster up good works. Fruitful works. Those fruitful works, godly fruitful works are a result of the life-changing, heart-changing work that's going on inside of each and every one of us. Whether it be service, whether it be love, whatever, whatever the case, those fruits, those godly fruits, are only produced by the work that He does in us, not by anything we've done. And we got people all throughout this world trying to produce good works, don't we? There's churches full this morning of folks trying to muster up good works. All for naught. All for naught. They won't be blessed. God won't bless those kind of works. He tells us time and time again. John 15 5 says this. I'm about to close. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. You see, Paul had that single mind where his focus was completely and wholly on Jesus. And the only thing he cared about was glorifying Christ and furthering the gospel I ask you this morning what what is, what is your goal what is your focus some cases it may be what are your focuses but are we truly centered we have our life centered around Christ because we can't have a single mind and we can't tap into this joy unless we do and I don't know about you but God has told us that, that he wants us to experience joy in this life and I have found in my life that apart from Christ I don't get any joy Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not here yet where I should be. But there's no doubt in my mind where I need to be and what I need to be working toward. He said, I have you in my mind. I have you in my heart. And I have you in my prayer. This is the kind of fellowship that produces joy. And it is the single mind that produces that fellowship. Good stuff. Good stuff. We live in a time where, where, where Christ's people need to be able to experience joy. If you turn a television on and you turn or you just look at anything out in the world, it just makes you sick get your stomach done. And Christ and God wants us to be a joyful people. To be joyful in Him because you see, we're going to get out of here to a lot better thing and I don't just mean heaven I mean living every day in the presence of Jesus glorifying Him the King of King and the Lord of Lords single mind Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we just ask this morning that you just give us all single minds. Lord, teach us to be focused solely on you and how to glorify you. So that we might experience that joy that comes from being one of yours. I ask, Lord, that you just be with each and every one of our prayer requests that you touch each and every circumstance, Lord, that you make yourself known in each and every one of those circumstances, that they might get their mind focused on you and see that whatever those circumstances, Lord, that you can be glorified through them. Lord, if, if they see that, they can have joy. No matter the outcome. No matter matter what happens, they can find joy in those circumstances. I ask that you continue to bless this church, protect this church. I plead the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary over this church and this church family. And ask, Lord, that you continue. You know each and every heart. You know each and every need. And I ask that you speak to those and deal with those and continue to guide us And let us be what you call us to be. These things ask in Jesus' name. Amen.